Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at GoHunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at Fish and wildlife.org that's fish and wildlife.org what's up everyone happy thursday welcome back to the average conservationist podcast and i'm your host marcus ewing I uh, got a good one for you today. Uh, today I'm joined by Keaton Eckley and Nick Minden, and they are the co-founders of Newly 2% Certified Fisherman's Brew Coffee out of Washington. Um, we kind of kick things off and really get to get a bit of a background uh, on Keaton and Nick and you know when their paths crossed at a young age um, and really the the love and the admiration that they share for salmon fishing, uh, especially there in the Northwest, uh, and how, <clears throat> um, you know, some time away for, for Nick, and, and you'll hear him tell the story, uh, some time away um, from fishing and from Washington while he um, serves active duty military, and he came home, and, you know, a lot of these salmon runs that he grew up fishing, uh, they just weren't the same. And him and Keaton uh, essentially had a plan. Um, and out of this plan, uh, well, given that, given the plan and Keaton's background um, in a previous line of work, um, they felt they had the tools uh, necessary really to, to start this coffee business. And the cool thing uh, about their story, about their brand, about their business is they started it with the sole purpose of raising money for conservation raising money um, for salmon and habitat uh, and things of that nature. And they're doing it for all the right reasons, which is such a cool thing to see. Um, I mean, really anyone who is giving back uh, to conservation from a business standpoint are, you know, are incredible. And, and I really admire them, um, especially these two who started the company with that sole purpose in mind. Um, we could talk about, you know, why salmon fishing is, um, you know, so important to them and what they're hoping to do uh, potentially in the future uh, through the business. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of let them tell you the story and, and what maybe some some long-term goals are, um, you know, and not only on the conservation side of things, but, you know, also, as I mentioned, with Nick being uh, active duty military, um, you know, getting veterans or even currently uh currently uh, excuse me active uh members involved in fishing um and you know just letting them experience you know what it is that the two of them love so much about the outdoors is outdoors as well so really fun episode i uh, really enjoyed talking to these guys so episode 78 keaton eckley nick minden fisherman's brew coffee uh enjoy for that 
want to take a minute to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. If you haven't already or you haven't by now, please head over to iTunes or Google Play, whichever your device, download the Stone Glacier app uh, for the outdoorsman or outdoorswoman uh, in your life. Uh, now is a great time to check out their website, pick them up that new pack or you know some new outerwear, whatever, uh, for their next adventure. Um, they will not and you will not be disappointed with your purchase. Um, head over to stoneglacier.com and uh, yeah, again, you won't be disappointed with whatever it is that you decide to get from them. Um, so enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome into the podcast today the co-founders of newly 2% certified Fisherman's Brew Coffee, Keaton Eckley and Nick Minden. Guys, how are you? Doing pretty good. Appreciate you having us. Yeah, no, I'm glad that we can make some time. I know that um, you guys being on the West Coast, I'm here uh, in Michigan in the Midwest. The time difference, uh, just getting everyone's schedules uh, to align uh, can sometimes be a bit tricky, but I'm glad we're able to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually got tons of family from Michigan and Ohio, so I'm uh, pretty familiar with the dealing with the time difference there. Just throughout my life, you know, holiday phone calls, stuff like that. Always got to plan for it. Yeah. So where about uh, in Michigan do you have family at? Uh, so my mom was born in Ann Arbor. Sure. And uh, then over in Ohio, my whole my dad's entire family is in Dayton. Okay. So, so I'm pro. I'm uh, like. I mean, Ann Arbor, it's all kind of Metro Detroit, more or less, but I'm probably an hour 15, hour 20 from Ann Arbor. I'm kind of uh, northeast a little bit, like in the uh, Rochester area. If I mean, I don't know how familiar you are geographically with Michigan, but yeah, it's not uh, it's not too terribly far from where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. I actually, uh, every year I go on like fishing trips to the UP. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I go up to the, the channels up there, but I just you know, drive through. So I'm not super familiar with anything between the UP and Detroit. Yeah, no, the UP is beautiful, man. It's, uh, it's almost criminal. How many people that live like at least in like the lower peninsula of Michigan that have never made their way to the UP and have never gotten across a bridge. It's, it's super unfortunate, man, because there's, there's just so much cool shit to do up there. Yeah, no, the first time I went over that bridge, it was a, I mean, it's it's shocking experience just seeing how much open water there is. I mean, we have the ocean out, out here, but you feel like you're looking at the Pacific or something like that. It's just yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I know. So while I lived down here in like southeast Michigan, I grew up in northern Lower Michigan, so um, not an hour and a half, or no, not even that far from like the Mackinac Bridge. And I remember uh, like when I was learning to drive and I had my learner's permit, I got to drive across the bridge. On my dad's old like half ton Chevy pickup, man, and driving across those grates, man, and just pulling you every which direction, everything, and thinking to myself, "What the hell did I get myself into here?" Yep, yep. I uh, I've been you know going up there since I was young, but I remember the the first time we flew into uh, Detroit, and I was old enough to drive, do the drive up there. Not my dad didn't have to do the whole drive. I remember being like, "Hey, you can drive up there, but I'm going across the bridge because <laughs> I want to drive across that bridge." Yeah, no, it, it's certainly cool. Uh, and I know I mentioned this before we started recording, but we're obviously recording on uh, Veterans Day. And Nick, you are uh, in active uh, military uh, right now. So I just want to say it again on the record that, you know, thank you for your service. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, this is, uh, we got Veterans Day. So remembering quite a few buddies that I've lost over the last couple of years of being in and everybody that came before us. So it's a pretty, pretty awesome experience being in. Yeah, I'd imagine um, that, you know, all days, it's it's probably a, a pretty heavy thing to um, to kind of deal with, you know, the loss of, of brothers that you make, uh, you know, while you're in the military. But uh, today, probably more than ever, uh, is, is one that really makes you think of them. Yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, funny when you're mentioning those fishing trips to Michigan. I've grown up with uh, Keaton since the second grade, so it's, what, 18 years? Yeah, I think so. It's about 18 <laughs> years. About 18 years, him and I have known each other, and about 18 years I've been hearing about that trip up to Michigan and all the fishing that they do down that way. So that's that's something that I hope to be able to make my way out there and, and venture out on that bridge that you guys are talking about. Yeah, the Mighty Mac. Yeah, I mean, if you guys, at any point, if you guys make it to Michigan, man, let me know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly get into it some more here. Uh, but if you do any type of fly fishing, man, uh, I've got plenty of, of, of streams and rivers and stuff that we can uh, we can get a line wet and, and try to get into some trout for sure. 
That's definitely in my alley. I love fishing. That's that's my passion. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, that's guys got a, you guys got a salmon runs up there, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. We've got, yeah, salmon, steelhead. I mean, trout. We've, I mean, I mean, they're all trout, right? But uh, yeah, we've got lots of different things to offer, man, for sure. We can get into some stuff. If you guys, if you guys ever want to make a trip, man. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be there this summer. So we'll uh, maybe set something up. Yeah. So. No, that's, that, that'd be awesome. So let's kind of get into it a little bit here. So Nick Keaton, so kind of, you, you kind of alluded to it there a little bit. Um, you guys have known each other since the second grade, uh, which is one of the things I was going to kind of ask was how you two got hooked up, but it sounds like, you know, lifelong friends grew up together, but take me through, you know, kind of what brought you to this point now. Uh, and you know, throughout the way, like how you were introduced to the outdoors, you know, kind of what that, that whole picture looks like. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's just my, my, dad's side of the family grew up fishing the great lakes um and so when he moved out here uh he was like trying to get into fishing out here and so he he got into salmon fishing and uh i'll be honest my my dad's not a professional he's not nearly (laughs) as good as nick's family but um yeah i mean it's just i've been around it my whole life and uh living out here we we're fortunate to have you know the Cascades right there and extremely fortunate go hiking out in the mountains we go backpacking we go fish the little alpine lakes out there and you know it's just just grew up with it and very blessed to have it you know have it be part of my life and like you like you said i mean my family moved from every area to lake stevens where where we live now uh around the second grade and we were in you know like a little cul-de-sac just two three houses away from each other and fortunately same age same grade and i mean from there we did as much lake fishing and camping trips as you could when we're that age but on my side of the family with my father, he got me really big into salmon fishing. I mean, I have pictures with salmon bigger than me with how small <laughs> I was and how young I was, right? And I mean, even at that age and still today, it's it's unbelievable how much conservation efforts aren't being talked about uh, on a wide scale basis, I guess, with how you have social media and marketing schemes these days. Uh, I just remember Growing up, it's always that conversation with your grandpa or with your dad or, you know, in the newspaper. It's it's just been like these minimalistic efforts, in my opinion, on conservation efforts. And it's something that's lacked there of my whole entire life. So as far as getting us to this point to where we're at in the coffee company, uh, Keaton and I and another colleague of his, uh, Jake Eckley, it's actually his cousin, which is pretty, I mean, that's just pretty cool within itself. He moved out here from Ohio, but anyways, uh, we're out fishing on one of the local rivers, salmon fishing. And this was after I came back from a couple years overseas and the lack of the salmon run was just mind blowing. I, I, I hadn't fished such a poor year, I guess. in I don't know, even my, my lifetime, it was, it was just a weird experience getting out there and we're just you know, spitballing ideas about anything that we can do to to help improve these salmon runs or just do anything rather than, you know, taking part in, in capturing these fish or fishing for them and not doing anything in return, right? It just felt criminal almost, like you were saying. It's just weird. So essentially, we just spitballed ideas, right? That day we were just spitballing. I mean, yeah, I, and coffee is just a huge thing in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, if you were yeah. to come out, there's a there's a coffee stand on every corner out here. I mean, every corner of any main street, there's a barista stand, you name it, it's everywhere. So coffee came to the forefront. It's a nice e-commerce product. And then we were, you were looking up the names, right, of coffee companies or what were you looking up yeah, I, for Fisherman's Brew, how you found that? Yeah, it just kind of worked out pretty pretty perfect, I guess. We were, we were uh, talking about ideas and I actually had a friend who, when I graduated we all graduated high school at the same time. Nick went to the military. I went off to college, and my buddy Kyle actually moved to Hawaii to work on a coffee bean farm. Oh, wow. And he, uh, you know, I stayed in touch with him, and he was always talking all this stuff about coffee, kind of just like all this stuff that he's learning about the industry. And I was always like, man, that'd be super cool to do something, you know. But he moved to Kona, and that coffee is very expensive. But that's besides. <laughs> um, and, uh, well, it was, you were, you was, we were talking about coffee. Oh, and we yeah, thought we that was awesome. We, we, obviously, we fished our whole lives together. And, I mean, I, I think it was you yeah. definitely that came up. He's like, the, the name Fisherman's Brew. And we're like, I mean, that's a phenomenal name, right? We love that. Yeah. But there's no way 
there's no way it hasn't been taken already. Like it's, someone already has it. There's no way. So essentially, he did a little bit of research and ended up finding that uh, the LLC for it was uh, about to go dink, right? It was that seven-year inactive. Yeah, so once we once we kind of put two and two together, we wanted to be in conservation. I was like, we want to do something. Maybe coffee is our, our avenue to, to get into that. Um I don't, I was just Googling and I was like, what's a good name for that? You know, like I'll be completely honest with you. It wasn't, it just kind of worked out. It just kind of like happened and I looked it up and there was a, a brewery on the East coast that had a fisherman's brew beer, but they unfortunately went out of business a while back. And so like, I guess nobody took the name. I thought it was, I think it's pretty decent name for what we do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it just kind of worked out. And so once, once all those pieces kind of lined up, we were like, well, you know what? We, we should really explore this and we should see what we can do with it. And it's just, it's been slow, <clears throat> but where we got this far and we got a lot of plans moving forward. Yeah. Um, it's been tough though. We, we started an e-commerce product in, in the a, middle in of the, the pandemic. Yeah, in the pandemic <laughs> when yeah. Supply chain is messed up. Supply we couldn't chain. get our bags in that we wanted. We couldn't get our hats, mugs. We couldn't get in contact with people in general, just trying to schedule meetings. It's, it's definitely been, uh, a joy ride, a roller coaster. I mean, there's tons of ways you could go about saying it, but uh, that really that five percent back that we take and target uh, organizations really our main goal is to target organizations that are trying to benefit hatcheries because, in in our opinion, on the research that we've done and the people we've talked to, uh, wildfish wouldn't exist if there weren't hatcheries, if there weren't successful hatchery programs. So we're trying to take, or we we do take our money, and we target these these organizations that are trying to rehab hatchery programs, get more fish in the river, and a more conscientious harvest of these these fish, and just you know, kind of we need these runs. It's it's just the simple. We need them. We can't we can't afford to lose salmon in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and I would imagine, and I'm a bit kind of out of my element speaking about like hatcheries and uh and things of that nature but you know with a a successful hatchery program and you know introducing these fish to the wild i mean they're then you know spawning you know creating a you know greater population a bigger run and everything like that so i can certainly see um you know the importance of it i mean is it so i guess let me take a step back is it fair to say that essentially you guys started this company to make or to raise money for conservation yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, it's cool. We have we love a good coffee, right? We love a good cup of coffee. Which everybody loves a good cup of coffee, especially out here in the Pacific Northwest, right? And that kind of goes hand in hand with fishing. But with Keaton and Jake's background in data marketing and their ability to uh, target people, specific people, ads, and stuff like that, and get get information in front of the right audience right essentially best yeah way i guess it. i maybe could go into that background we didn't just start a business out of nowhere my cousin <laughs> and i uh, we graduated from college and uh we were working in uh down in seattle at a startup production company and so for three years i was working in a uh, media production on sets and stuff like that but uh it was a team of four people and uh i you know had to learn business development skills through that and uh that actually that business was a COVID casualty, sadly, because yeah. when we came in, they, everyone's like, oh, we don't need to have big events being filmed or anything like that. So we were kind of sit, we we're sitting there, we're like, what do we do? You know, we have all this experience, um, like running a small business, essentially. And uh, we had marketing experience and our degrees kind of lined up with that. And so my cousin and I co-founded a data marketing agency. And uh, through that process, you know, learned really how to manage a business properly. And we, we managed a lot of e-commerce products. And so we kind of had like an understanding of like what needed to be done. And so when this opportunity came up, I felt like we were, um, we were capable of taking advantage of the opportunity. And um, I think that's probably given us, that's allowed us to get as far as we have up to this point. But yeah, yeah we did kind of, sorry. Uh, no, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We did kind of uh, start this coffee company as like a means to um, 
for conservation, for conservation to, get, yeah. to get that information in yeah. front of the right audience rather than, you know, your grandpa or your dad or the newspaper ad talking about uh, these organizations like come and volunteer, right? How about since it's 2021 and we have supercomputers in our pockets, why don't we start throwing these this information in front of younger audiences who don't know anything about conservation? They, they, they hear about it from their, you know, their grandpa and their dad or the newspaper. Yeah, and that's what's weird about, well, maybe weird's not the right word, but like just conservation in general, right? The, there's, I say this a lot on, uh, when I'm talking to people, but like there's like this shift kind of in, in who is kind of at the forefront of the outdoors. Like it's not our dads and our grandpas anymore. Like it's guys like us, right? It's a younger, a much younger generation who just have a, a different way of looking at processing, getting their information. I mean, like you said, everyone walking around has a freaking supercomputer in their pocket, right? And that's that's how everyone, you know, whether it's they read articles, they send emails, you know, how, that that's where people are getting their information from is on their phone. And so many people, like you said, the, you know, the, the whole conservation, like mindset and ethic, like we got that from our parents, our grandparents and things like that. But it was almost in a much different way, right? It was a lot of almost leading by example, right? When we were young, you know, you know, watching, you know, how our, our elders kind of, uh, acted in, in, in the wild, uh, yep. you know, not leaving trash and, you know, kind of leaving no trace and that type of stuff and not wasting animals, uh, when they harvest them and things like that. But this generation, uh, this younger generation, they're much more vocal about things, right? Mm-hmm. And they're much more of a hands-on, I guess, kind of group and, Everyone wants their voice to be heard and, and everyone has an opinion and all that stuff. And that's great to a degree, but you need to have the right information, just like you said, in front of the right people so that they can really understand the the issues and the problems that, you know, in this particular case that that salmon are facing in the in the northwest there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my uh, one of my big goals with the company <clears throat> is to uh, eventually use my production background. And it'd be, I think it would be really cool to go highlight the conservation groups we support and and put together like do a very well put together not like a short form documentary but essentially just going through exactly like what they do where the money goes to like how it actually helps and i think that uh i think that we're uniquely capable of of doing that and getting that in front of a lot of people but we just we kind of got to build the foundation and that's what we're working on right now Yeah, no, and that's a great idea because so many of these conservation organizations, whether um, you got you take someone like BHA who is not necessarily species specific, but you take like Trout Unlimited or the Mule Deer Foundation, Rocky Mountain Elk, you know, these very specific organizations that are are working towards a specific uh, species, and you know, unless you're really tied into that, I mean, it's it's one thing to be a member of these organizations, and you know, you pay your you know, your yearly dues and maybe you attend a banquet or an online auction or something like that. But to really understand the kind of behind the scenes work, what it is that they're doing, where the money is going and all that stuff, uh, people just don't know. And I think going, you know, kind of putting a bow on all of this, that's what people want to know, right? They want to know, you know, if they make a donation, where's that money being, um, be, yep. what, what, is, what is it being spent on? Uh, you know, what type of projects are these organizations working on? Um, and I think when, uh, I guess call it the consumer, you know, uh, the members, when they have an idea of what that money's being spent on, they're much more likely to, to get involved, whether it's, you know, with boots on the ground type stuff or, you know, financially through making donations. Yep. Completely agree on that. So <clears throat> you kind of already answered it, but well, I mean, why salmon? Is it just because, you know, that's what you guys grew up doing? So, I mean, I guess that's, that's probably really what it comes down to. Uh, it's, it is my passion in life, right? Uh, being in military police for the last almost six years, that, that was my passion, but in the back of my head, it's always been salmon fishing and salmon throughout the Pacific Northwest. Because for me, it's, I fish year round. Uh, I fish with friends and family year round. So it's like that genuine connection to nature and uh, other people around you that that really just drives me right and the thought of losing like salmon i could i could cry over it right now like it's (laughs) it's that i'm that passionate about salmon fishing so 
to have that passion, I want to be able to share that with others, right? And that's not necessarily telling them exactly where to fish and exactly how to fish, but to be able to have that opportunity to fish, to not lose that opportunity, right? Because it's an amazing thing to have here, to be able to go out in nature and and take advantage of it in a way that's respectful and harvest what you will eat, right? So that's really what it comes down to is that we've just been, we've been fishing our entire lives and we don't really want to lose that. Right. And then you can break it down as far as to the, the nutrients and the habitat that uh, salmon provide throughout the Pacific Northwest is incredible. The reach is, I mean, the more you dig into the, the broader your knowledge gets on just how impactful salmon are throughout Washington, Oregon, California, they go all the way up into Idaho, but all the way up to Alaska through Canada. Right. It's just one fish one species right but it's just incredible how impactful these fish are oh, <laughs> sorry sorry Keaton. I thought you looked like you were ready to say something there oh, no well I'll, I'll touch on what nick was saying there um yeah the uh the salmon runs are incredibly important for um like nick said the ecosystem and they i don't know how many people know but like they swim up the the rivers and they die yeah. like they only come back one time the pinks come back every two years their life's two years and and then they die but there's a million dead fish in the ecosystem and that nutrient supports the entire river ecosystem throughout this, throughout the year. It's what, and it feeds the trees and every, everything you wouldn't think it, but it's so incredibly important. And you take that away and there's, there's actually river, there's examples in Washington where there's the salmon runs have been so decimated that the ecosystem around it, the trees and everything that grows around the river system have begun to die out because they just don't have, what they're supposed to have yeah and so it goes beyond just the fish it's like the entire ecosystem is affected if we over harvest them and we don't take care of that resource yeah mother nature is certainly fickle in that regard right i mean how and that's a thing that people who don't you know who don't salmon fish they don't understand the greater impact right like, yeah i think they kind of look at us and they're like oh they just want more fish they yeah. want to be able to fish. it's really beyond that yeah it's it, the same thing kind of goes into and i'll speak to something a bit more in my wheelhouse like whitetail habitat right with people you know performing their own whitetail habitat if, if you know if they own some private land but you know how good you know you know cutting you know cutting down trees prescribed burns you know the 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 regrowth you know what that does for you know, the birds, uh, you know, for the turkeys, for, you know, uh, if there's any type of, uh, like upland bird habitat, like it's, it's just amazing how little, or yeah, how little, um, uh, people on the outside looking in don't really grasp, you know, what one single thing does for the entire ecosystem around it. Yeah. It's incredible. So <clears throat> let's get into fisherman's brew a little bit. So you guys said you just started, you started, uh, essentially forming the company during the middle of a pandemic, which is, it's funny to me, not that you guys did that, but like, like so many people were working from home. Right. And like coffee is obviously the lifeblood of, you know, any adult, especially any adult with kids. All right. Like it's, it's what keeps us going. But the fact that you couldn't get the stuff you needed to get, you know, um, you know, your coffee out and to get everything, you know, packaged and whatnot has got to be, uh, a bit frustrating, so you mentioned you had your buddy that was in Hawaii and you kind of started picking his brain a little bit. So kind of how did everything really kind of come together and culminate into launching the brand? So, um, yeah, we we had the idea and then, you know, the next step was, OK, where are we going to get our coffee from? And uh, initially I did go to Kyle and I was like, hey, man, like how can we uh, kind of use some of these coffee beans that you that you work on, like the farm you work on? And uh, we quickly found out that it would be far too expensive to get beans from Kona, ship them here, roast them. They're expensive to begin with. And it wasn't really what we wanted. To be honest, we were looking for, um, well, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted local. We wanted a local roaster, packager, all that stuff. We wanted to work with people that we could drive to and be hands-on. Right. Um, Also for the beans, like we, we were really wanting to like continue the conservation trend and find beans that were certified like sustainable shade grown direct trade or fair trade and uh we we had to do some digging to find that but uh we eventually got it worked out to where we we have a couple of farms down in mexico and uh 
we import them up to our roaster that we've built a relationship with over the past year. Um, he's an hour south of us. And so we go down there quite often and we work on like mixtures and blends and new, new, um, just new roasts. And, uh, it, it worked out pretty nice, but it was quite a process. And then I guess speaking on the bags, we initially wanted to, you know, get beautiful, like custom printed bags with nice artwork on and everything like that. And, uh, doing our research, we found there's quite a few, um, places to get those at a reasonable price uh, so we could keep our margins and be able to give back to conservation. We, we had to keep our costs down lower because we wanted to give back money right. and still be profitable. Profitable, But um, yeah, those were all in China and India. And <laughs> seven months out, seven year months, and a half year out. out. Yeah. And those, those lead times are probably even more now because of just getting stuff into the country is it's challenging right now. So Daniel was a big, a big part in helping us. So Daniel, uh, the owner of Poverty Bay, who's our local roaster down there in Auburn. Uh, I mean, the man's incredible. He's been roasting what for thirty years. Yeah, and he. Uh, so fortunately, we're, we came to him. The problem we're like, yeah, we we really want to move forward. We already had our coffee being imported, and we thought we had our bags being you know printed and sent to us. But then they're just like, hey you're not going to get them. And so we're like, okay, well, we got to figure something out. And so uh, we actually ended up using a local local bag manufacturer. And it's, it's just the bag. I don't know if you've seen our product. It's just a matte black bag. Yep. Pretty and then Pretty simple. a local uh, label printing company. And I designed some labels in uh, Adobe Illustrator and sent it to them. And they printed them off. And we slap them on the bag. And we're like, you know what? It's just to get us started. It's yeah, and it kind of comes down to the whole mindset. It's like an imperfect product is better than having no product at all. Yeah, because we could we can learn a lot from putting it out there. And I'm not saying like that. I think our product is bad right now or anything like that. I think <laughs> well, what I'm saying. So yeah, I'm still very happy with it. But it's not when we set out. It's not what we set out. The goal in mind was to have really nice custom made coffee mugs, custom made hats, kind of like what you're wearing right now. Um, really nice custom shirts and beautiful custom coffee bags that you put in a store and it, it looked really nice sitting on the shelf and people would be like, Oh, that's cool. It's got cool, like salmon artwork on it and whatever, whatever it may be. Um, we, we quickly found out that that wasn't going to happen. And so we had to figure out how we could continue to progress, um, with these limitations and, the, and just dealing with the pandemic, you know? And, um, fortunately we're surviving, we're surviving, but, and we have a lot of the stuff is we're about, I'd say a month or two months away. We've we've been working really hard to figure out where we're going to get um, our products from, our bags from, um, and we actually have it all worked out now. So we're excited in a couple of months when we redo the site, we redo our products, and um, it'll it'll look really really good. And it's nice we're a two percent business. We'll have the two percent for conservation logo <laughs> right there on the uh, right there printed on the bag on the back and. It'll just, it'll look like a, it'll look professional. It'll be nice. It'll be something to be really proud of. And we're excited to sell it and hopefully get traction and get back to conservation. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> a couple things come to mind there, given that story is, is perseverance, obviously. Um, and, you know, just moving forward because, I mean, it'd be, it'd be super easy when, you know, things kind of don't go your way just to say, ah, screw it and kind of scrap the whole idea. Right. Because it's not, it's not perfect. It's not what you envision, but you know uh, you know, speaking from one small business owner to another, I think you, you get to a point where you got to realize that really good is sometimes good enough as opposed to being, you know, perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost, sometimes you're almost your own worst enemy, right? Like striving for that perfection while, I mean, yeah, we should always strive for perfection in whatever we're doing. I mean, there's no point to half-ass something, but sometimes you got to know when enough is enough and say, you know, whoever is going to buy this coffee or the people that I'm, I'm trying to sell this coffee to, uh, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to like the artwork. You know, if it's a label on there and not a custom bag, like they're still going to think it's cool. They're still going to like the coffee, right? The product inside isn't changing. But exactly. at the end of the day, we're, we're not selling the custom bags. We're selling the sustainable fair trade coffee in, on the inside of the bag yeah. and that's what we're really selling it's just me being too particular about what i want it to look like i yeah. think it, com it comes down to like a military saying like never be comfortable uh 
And I'm, I'm happy that we're not comfortable with our product. We're content and we're going to keep moving forward and, you know, getting better at what we're providing to, to the customers and stuff like that. But, but to never be comfortable in a sense is a good feeling to me. I've never, never be comfortable in the military. Always, you know, keep pushing, try and do better, always be ready type stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely been a process, but it's yeah. been fun. It's been fun to watch. It's been yeah. fun to be a part. Yeah. That's uh, I literally, so I have in my office here, you guys can't see, and I'm not going to try to like reach up and grab it, but I have, you know, people have these like little signs, right. That you can like move the letters around and like change the message on and, and stuff like that. Um, and I, mine says, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Cause I yep. just think that's even like with this podcast, right. Like I consider myself a fairly, I don't want to say like outgoing, but like I, I enjoy talking to people, especially about the outdoors and, and conservation and stuff like that. But still like, I mean, we didn't know each other until, you know, half hour ago, other than, you know, through a couple emails. And I mean, that's kind of a big step to just be like, yeah, like, let's, let's hop on a call. Let's, you know, let's, let's shoot the shit for, for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. And yeah, you just, you got to kind of put yourself out there. You got to be uncomfortable. And it's amazing if you just keep your head down, you keep grinding, you know, what, what good can come out of that. Definitely. Yeah, that was actually a question I had for you. How did you, uh, and I'm sure people who listen to your podcast already know this, but how did you uh, get into starting this podcast? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you kind of the cliff notes, I guess, uh, just to spare some of our listeners. Um, So I had started an apparel company uh, a little over two years ago called The Average Conservationist. Uh, So I sell hats, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, uh, and then I'm giving money back to conservation as well because my company is is 2% certified as well. Um, and I was a guest on, uh, a podcast, um, called the nine finger chronicles. Um, Dan Johnson is the host of that. He's a board member for 2% for conservation, but he also owns, uh, a like network of podcasts called sportsman's nation. And I mean, he's got gosh, over 20 different podcasts, like under his umbrella company, uh, Mm -hmm. ranging from, I mean, almost any topic you can think of from an outdoor perspective, he's got, uh, you know, a podcast on there. And after we recorded uh, our episode, he asked, you know, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? You know, uh, the topic of, you know, about conservation. He's like, your name fits perfectly. And, you know, he's like, I think you'd be a a good host and whatnot. And I kind of hummed and hawed. And, you know, obviously conservation is not this super sexy topic, right? That people are like, ooh, I got to check out the latest, you know, conservation uh, efforts that are going on out there, right? Like it's not, it's not gear, it's not tactics, it's not, you know, cool stories and all this. Um, And kind of in that time frame, he became a member on the board of directors for 2%. uh, And then kind of pitched this idea to myself and Jared of, you know, what if you guys kind of teamed up um, and started this podcast and partnered with 2%. 2% then will help, um, you know, get you guests and we'll kind of focus on businesses and individuals um, who are 2% certified, who have made this commitment to, uh, you know, conservation and, and giving back. And, you know, I mean, you guys know Jared. I mean, the guy is so passionate. And like, after like 10 minutes on the phone with him, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, June of last year uh, that we that we started it. So, going on over a year now and it's been it's been awesome to hear you know everyone's stories on you know why conservation is important to them you know like what the outdoors means to them the products that they're offering i mean it's just it's not just outdoor companies right i mean there's a whole slew of different uh brands and businesses that you know find conservation important and are giving back so it's uh it's been really cool awesome so <clears throat> as a company that you know was essentially formed to give back to conservation i mean where was it that or at what point did you guys realize like we need to do something right i mean nick you kind of mentioned it when you were overseas and had come back and realized you know the runs just weren't what they were before but was there kind of was there any other like tipping points i guess for you guys where you said hey we we got to try to do something here i think it really just comes down to seeing like that little that little time frame really just stepping away from something I was super passionate about to go overseas and do my time and to come back where I I mean I was just dreaming of being on these rivers again right just every night I 
lay my head down and just can't wait to be back home getting rained on on the river right like that's yeah just what i was gonna I say how many nights did that get you through right overseas <laughs> just thinking about of, it got me through a lot of days and a lot of a lot of watch standing in 130 degrees yeah i can imagine <laughs> so, I, it really just came down to that for me personally taking a step away from something in life and then coming back to it and you know, my grandpa and my dad's sayings in the back, it's just not how it used to be, right? And, okay, well, why, why don't we do something about it? Well, there's these conservation groups, you know, they've been around a long time. And it's, okay, that's awesome. Why Why am I just now hearing about this? Is it because I just don't know where to look or I'm just not looking right? Uh, and that's why we, we want to get that right information in front of everybody. We want to make sure that they they understand that these rivers are fragile and what we have is fragile. And that we need to start doing something about it. We we can't just keep sitting around on our thumbs, you know. We got to start doing something. Yeah, I mean, so how was it that you guys learned about two percent? You know, I was. It's funny. I was actually. In office, you know, I was talking to Jared the other day. He 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 emailed me. He's like, so how did you guys hear about us? And I was like, you know, and I started thinking about it. I was like, I have no idea. We it was it was <laughs> you and I. We were sitting. We were sitting in his office because uh, I'm I'm actually stationed here in my home pretty much my hometown, Everett, Washington. I work uh, on Naval Base Everett. Uh, and their office for their marketing company is like three blocks away from from my base. Okay. So, so when I get the time or after work, I'd pop through. And it was just one of those days where, you know, we got whiteboards in the office of ideas and, and how to improve on the company. And for me, I mean, personally, it was like, how do we make our product more legitimate? How do we How do we have more blocks to stand on and be proud of what we're providing. And honestly, I, I, I King was just searching up. I might, I might have just been Google. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> it just, it just generated 2% certified companies. And I was like, okay, we got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have to figure out how to be a part of that because that's awesome. The more we looked into it, the more we were just like, we, we need to be a part of that. Yeah. I wish there was some cool story of like, we <laughs> ran into them. And, like, yeah. I think it was just Googling. Yeah. <laughs> be honest with you. I mean, However, you guys stumbled across it. I'm glad that you guys did because obviously it gets us a chance to to talk and for for people to to hear your story and you know why you guys are doing what you're doing. Which I didn't mention it before, but I mean, you hear a lot of people that start a business because you know they're passionate about whatever that business is, whether it's you know a clothing brand or um, a guiding service, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But you guys started a brand, started a company. Because you wanted to raise money for conservation, which is almost, you hear people are like, yeah, I'm going to start this business, um, you know, to make some money and then I'm going to give back as well. And that's, that's still great, right? I, I think that's awesome. But for that to be kind of the driving force um, I, I, is super commendable, man. You guys should be super proud of that, regardless of, you know, where things are at in 5, 10, 20 years from now. I mean, you guys did everything for the right reason. You saw a problem. Okay. How do we address this? What can we do to to help alleviate or fix this problem? And you guys, you know, went you know head in head on into this, and that's that that's awesome. And I really commend you guys on that. I appreciate it. A lot. You know, a good cup of coffee doesn't hurt too at the side. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right there. Um, so <clears throat> we've we've talked a little bit about it, but specifically, what organizations are you guys uh, trying to work with and, and trying to help raise money for? So the, the first organization we actually ended up uh, donating to was an organization called uh, Fish Northwest, something you guys can look into if you're listening. You can Google them. And you can be a part of that if that's something that you want to be a part of. But uh, essentially with uh, Fish Northwest, their immediate goal was to have uh, Washington State comply with like the Bolt decision, right? And essentially that means uh, specific requirements for the harvesting or equal sharing of salmon species throughout the Pacific Northwest. And for that, it was specifically blackmouth or resident Chinook salmon in the Puget Sound, right? And what you'd be funding or helping out with them is they're essentially taking on a legal battle with Washington State to be like, hey, why are, uh, you know, tribal uh, nations here harvesting and you know doing their part they're they're pulling their weight 100 percent. but why why is the state not doing the same what's going on there why why is the state not doing the same and therefore local businesses and guide services and uh you know fishermen why are we why are we getting the butt end of it why are we not being able to you know harvest 
right? And it's nothing to do with uh, tribal or non-tribal. It's simply to do with uh, equality right there. It's like, why, what's going on there? So that's what Fish Northwest is essentially trying to do. They're trying to, I think, uh, speaking with one of them, they're, they're really wanting to, at some point, they want to be able to rear their own blackmouth in the Pacific Northwest and in the Puget Sound and actually help with those runs to make it, you know, recreational fishermen and local businesses can take a part of it. So that's the first one that we actually uh, donated to. And the only reason I actually ended up finding out about them uh, was because of a, a close friend of mine, Tim Lennox. Uh, he, he's definitely one of the better fishermen I've ever met in my life. And, it, and I mean, I met him out fishing, right? How else would you meet a fishing buddy other than yeah, fishing? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm only 24, about to turn 25. Uh, and I just don't know too much about conservation. So I, I just went to some of my older friends in the fishing community who've, who've guided previously or have close guide friends. And I was like, help me. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm trying to do this. I'm tr- my, my, my colleagues, my best friends, they're looking for a conservation group. And I was like, what, what do I do? What is a good, a good start? And so that's where we found Fish Northwest. And the more that we, I look into these companies and these other uh, conservation groups, uh, the more we kind of are starting to find our way with who we want to support and who we think is doing the right thing. Yeah, that's always a tough thing for for anyone, you know, kind of just dipping their toe uh, into kind of the conservation world is figuring out or trying to really separate uh, the groups because there's a lot of groups out there that are doing tremendous work for whatever the cause of the species is. But then, you know, sometimes you find some that, that maybe aren't quite doing or that aren't doing what align with, you know, what you would expect, right? Not that it's bad work by any means, but exactly. it just doesn't align with, with your beliefs uh, in, in terms of conservation. And that's, I think a lot of times people feel like this need to, when they decide they want to get involved with conservation, right? Like they've got to join all, like every organization, right? They got to be a member of, you know, 15, 20 different groups. And they think that that is helping. And don't get me wrong, the the membership fee helps. But I think if you figure out what you're passionate about, you you learn what those organizations are truly doing. Um, that's when you're going to have like the most impact with your time and with your dollars and, and being a member of those organizations. Yeah, and it was. I mean, for conservation, that's one thing. And then for me personally, since I'm in the military and I'm a part of this company as a co-founder, uh, I started looking into to groups like the Fallen Outdoors or, or Veteran Outdoors, where these groups actually provide trips free of cost for veterans and disabled veterans or military members active duty like myself uh to go out and 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 take part in fishing and for me uh being on those trips and listening to some of the conversations that some of these these veterans who who've seen just horrific things and to be able to, to connect with these people i've never met before on fishing i never want that to go away i never i never want fishing to go away just because you have opportunities like that where people can go out and heal and talk about things they've never been able to talk about before. So that's just a, a military aspect from it that is uh, something I want our company to be a part of, to be able to, to fund these types of projects that, once again, relate back to fishing. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible because I've had, I had a guest on uh, maybe a month ago, a month ago or so, um, Birch Barrel, um, that mm-hmm. They um, they're two percent certified as well, but they also give back to um, some different uh, veteran organizations that really help uh, you know veterans get out into the outdoors. Kind of, yeah, I mean, it's a whole experience. Uh, what was it called? Heroes and Horses, Heroes for Horses, uh, down in mm-hmm. Montana, something like that. And the the amount of organizations that are out there that are um, involved in, in different veteran affairs with uh, in terms of using the outdoors as, uh, I don't know if, if saying a healing tool yeah. is the right way. Session almost. Yeah. It, it's, it's so cool because I mean, the outdoors is, it takes all of us back to like this primal, you okay. know, part of us that for so many of us is just buried down so deep. So many people never even tap into it, but it's also just, it's so healing, right? Like being mm-hmm. on the river, being in the woods, in the mountains, whatever it is. And just, being one with nature, I mean, it's, if you've never it's done it, it is, it, and you can't, like, I can't even put it into words, but I know exactly how it makes you feel. Yep. It's, it's definitely something that I, I want to make sure, uh, 
that our company also is, is a part of with, with some of those groups just because of the, the amazing things that they're doing for veterans and active duty members. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, and one thing that we uh, as a company kind of hope we're capable of doing in the future is maybe having starting our own conservation group and doing exactly what we want to do. We have a lot of local rivers where we grow up, where we grew up and where we currently live. There's, what, four or five within a 45-minute drive yeah. of us that we grew up fishing. We can pick and choose which river we want to go to depending when and what, what fish are in. And, you know, having our own conservation group that really – focuses on just the rivers we grew up fishing i think that would be something that would be fantastic in the future but um you know for the time being just supporting uh companies that align with us yeah no that's that's incredible to even have kind of that foresight right that you know what what could be in the future um is is certainly an awesome goal to have it and having you know not i mean you're already having a direct impact on conservation with raising money and donating money back but to form your own organization and do exactly what you want to do and to do it in an area where you guys grew up recreating and where you, you know, where you grew up fishing and where you probably still fish is, mm-hmm. is, is super cool. And I can imagine how fulfilling that would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that's a, that'd be a great end goal to get to. Yeah, no, it's certainly, it's certainly nice to have, to have a goal like that kind of off in the distance. Yeah. I'm definitely pretty, pretty stoked with how far we've came in such a short period of time. I mean, uh, making coffee partnerships with uh, with a local actual podcast slash live show that this uh, individual at Dwayne England does. It's called uh, Fish Hunt Northwest. I'm actually wearing their hat right now. <laughs> uh, just what just what that that guy is doing is incredible. I mean, he's he's more on the forefront the forefront of uh, informational like how to get better at hunting, how to get better at fishing. Right. That seems like I think you mentioned earlier in the in the show, that's a little bit more of a, a friendly viewer friendly show yeah. that people want to tune into. They want yep. to tune in. How do I get better at this? How do I do that? Right. And the fact that technologies, it's right in front of you. Right. They can YouTube these people. Uh, they can look at, oh, how do I make my bait better? How do I fish this type of water? Right. It's similar to, you know, addicted fishing, which is one of the larger uh, Pacific Northwest brands that's doing pretty well out here. But uh just being able to be a coffee sponsor for a local show like Fish Hunt Northwest in such a short period of time, being able to provide quality products to people in the Pacific Northwest is it's made me pretty happy. I, I sleep pretty good at night thinking thinking that we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I think one of the other things I think is so cool about what you guys are doing is you're you're focusing your efforts right there at home, right? You, you, where you're where you're spending your time, and that's another thing that I've learned uh, in my short time of doing the podcast and having the businesses, you know, if I'm doing 98% of my recreating here in Michigan, like that's where I want my money to go back to, right? Mm -hmm. I want to support organizations that are, you know, doing things to support wildlife uh, here in Michigan. Yep. Local. Yeah, exactly. So just a few more things here, guys, before we wrap up. Um, Obviously we've, we've covered a lot of fishing topics. Do you guys get a chance to go out and do any type of hunting at all as well? Oh, I, I have never had the opportunity, but I would love to. I uh, started watching Meat Eater uh, in college. <laughs> so that was probably three or four years ago. And I just remember being like, wow, that's uh, that looks like what I want to do. What's, but, what's awesome about here in the Pacific Northwest is uh, there's so many things to take advantage of. Uh, but what for me specifically, it is fishing. I, I, I fish year round every day of the week if I'm able to. Uh, so I have tons of close friends that hunt elk hunt deer hunt uh waterfowl stuff like that and uh it's not the worst trade in the world to be able to trade some smoked salmon or some fresh caught salmon you know for some some elk or for some black bear so i do fish with individuals that that try and divvy up their time between fishing and hunting Uh, and i have some friends that only hunt uh and that's that brings it back to you know passion what you're passionate about but it's pretty easy to tie uh salmon conservation towards hunting out here because of you know land there needs to be habitat in general for both so it's it's been a pretty pretty fun topic to to touch with my uh, my friends that hunt a lot but i i do not hunt i own guns right but i sure you do do. yeah yeah i do not i do not actually hunt it's something i'd like to get into uh but uh for now i think i'll stick with wetting lines yeah no there's nothing wrong with that and i'll tell you what Having that currency of some fresh caught salmon or some smoked salmon to to do a little bartering with in terms of maybe some venison or some elk, like I mean, that's 
I, I take that all day. I, I would make that trade. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I would even think twice about like, oh, you've got some fresh salmon. Yeah, like let, let's talk, right? <laughs> That's what a good vacuum sealer does for me. A good vacuum sealer and a big reach-in freezer. That's like gold. I might as well lock it up in a safe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, Yeah, I had a, a very unfortunate incident uh, with my youngest, uh, with my son, who's he's like two and a half. He's almost three. And I have mm-hmm. a deep freezer in the garage. And we were out there the other day. And he like ran over to it and like he did something. And I was, I should have been paying closer attention to what exactly he did. But as soon as he like ran over to it, I was like, hey, get over here. Get away from that. But what he did is he turned my freezer basically off. Oh, and I had I didn't, I didn't go out there for like a week because I just oh, I didn't need oh, it. No. Yeah, you see where this story is going. Yeah, yeah. we've all experienced that, unfortunately. So I, I went out there. Yeah, I went out there uh, just before Halloween. And this is the first time I'm talking about this publicly because it's still every time, it happens, every time I talk about it, I want to cry. It's me. But I went out there and I went to grab some venison out because we we're going to make some chili. I'm like, it, it took it a minute for it to register. I'm like, I grabbed some out. I'm like, it's not very cold. I'm like, what's going on here? And then like everything starts to like click. Yeah. Like I don't see the ice build up on the walls. And I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. And yeah, man, like at least I mean, that just comes, it comes down to just the amount of time lost and the, the amount of effort. And then, and then it also goes back to, man, you don't, you don't want to waste. We hate wasting. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to be that person that wastes or mistreats nature. Right. So yeah. I, I'm going to have to drink a beer for you on that one. I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Nick, Cause it was I, I, every time like my wife or something brings up, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> she was like, Oh, but like, and she was like upset because there was like some other stuff in there. I was like, look, we can just go buy that stuff. Right. Like that's easy. I'm like, this is like, that was like a year's worth of venison in there that we had left. I'm like, I had bear meat in there. I had some lake trout in there. Like it wasn't just venison, but I was like, oh gosh, that was, that was heartbreaking. But what can you do? Yeah, exactly. What can you do but get back out there? Yeah. So one more thing here, guys, do you have any like big fishing trips or anything that you guys are looking forward to, uh, this year? I mean, obviously you guys are fishing all year round, but anything, uh, that you're really, um, Um, excited for? Well, I got a Michigan trip. And I think that's planned for July. I'm not okay. certain, but uh, we always rent the cabins out like a year in advance because they get they just get booked. So I got that to look forward to. As far as big fishing trips go, uh, I mean, recently I just worked with uh, individual Dave Martin with Veteran Outdoors over on the Columbia River. Uh, it's called King of the Reach Derby, but essentially working with WDFW and, and local hatchery program out there, we uh, captured live king salmon over a three-day period and turned them in so that they can actually in return a uh, broodstock program, right? It okay. boosts those numbers on the Columbia river. That was recently one of the bigger trips that I took part in uh, as a CCA or coastal conservation association uh, trip. But I mean, for me, uh, like I said, I fish multiple times a week. Uh, I'll be, I'll be deck handing with uh, an individual called Nick Taylor. Uh, he works with both fallen outdoors and veteran outdoors, uh, once again, it's one of those things, get out and getting out in nature and helping heal some uh, some disabled veterans or active duty military younger guys. So it's as far as big trips go, I can't say I have anything in the in the short future that I, I re- refer to as a big trip just because I fish so often. Yeah, and you guys are in such a great area, especially for salmon fishing, right? It's like people come oh. out to the Pacific Northwest to salmon fish, right? And you guys got it in your backyard. So yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, literally in our backyard, actually, since this is Lake Stevens, there's a creek that runs through Keaton's backyard where a small population of wild salmon actually come up and spawn. Yeah. So that's literally in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I've, had, I've had fish die in my backyard. It's oh, wow. It came all the way from the, the ocean. So. so real quick, guys, where can uh, people find Fisherman's Brew at? Uh, so you can find us on Instagram, just at Fisherman's Brew, and then at our website, uh, Fisherman'sBrew.com. Yeah, definitely. If you want to work with us or you have organizations in mind throughout the Pacific Northwest, tackle shops, anything that you think that would align with what we're doing, or you have recommendations, there's a contact us button at the bottom, or you can just message us on Instagram or Facebook. Awesome. Well, guys, Nick, Keaton, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you and you know, learning more about the company and really kind of the impetus and, and the reason you guys started all of this is is super awesome. And I, I look forward to getting you guys on here again in the future once you uh, start that organization. Definitely. We appreciate it. Great. Yep. 
All right. Talking to you. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, a big thank you to Keaton and Nick for joining me today. Um, definitely be sure uh, and check out Fisherman's Brew Coffee. Uh, I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, uh, Wild Rivers Coffee, Stone Glacier, and Go Hunt, uh, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, positive conservation driven content in your feed. So you'll certainly enjoy that. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Uh, We're going to take a break next week to let all you guys uh, enjoy Thanksgiving with your friends and your families. Uh, and everything like that. So stay tuned for the following week where where we will be back uh, with your regularly scheduled programming. So with that said, stay safe, enjoy your Thanksgiving, and remember that conservation starts with you.